So if uh, you've been with us this Lent, you will remember that we are taking a look at the book of Lamentations through Lent and trying to tease apart what exactly is going on and try to figure out what do we do with it and how can we learn from this uh, profound picture of grief that the Bible gives us. And so we've been looking at this this siege that's happened in Jerusalem that, that brought starvation and death and destruction and how the people poured out themselves emotionally in response to that. And so this has taken the form of these laments, of these plaintive cries. And uh, if you were with us a couple weeks ago, you might happen to remember that... Uh, Lament is this whole genre of writing. It's, it's this whole style. There's a lot of different laments. Like in the ancient world, there's a, a bunch of non-biblical writings that are about cities who've been fallen, and they're laments, poems composed to try and get at the grief that people are experiencing. And so Lamentations fits within this well-trod style of writing. And now one interesting thing about the genre as it exists in the Hebrew Bible, at least, is this. So, I mean, Lamentations has a lot of lament in it, right? A lot of grief, a lot of sorrow, a lot of distraughtness and anger and pain, all this stuff. But then, and this is the key, at the end, it makes this turn. It makes this turn. It's hard to describe exactly what it's a turn to, uh, because something like praise isn't complex enough for what, what's exactly going on. Maybe it's more like a, a confidence or assurance or hope. So at the end, after all this grief, all this lamenting, after all this living in the, the brokenness, it pivots to introduce this note of hope. And that's what we saw in our passage this morning from the very last chapter of Lamentations in his Uh, as we heard the very end of the book of Lamentations, the very end of the whole thing. We started off in the passage with lament, right? Joy has left our heart. Our joyous dancing has turned into weeping. Our beloved city of Jerusalem is left deserted with only vultures to pick up the scraps, right? But then notice what the passage does. But you, Lord, will rule forever. Your throne lasts from one generation to the next. Why do you forget us continually? Why do you abandon us for such a long time? So notice this. Notice this. All of a sudden we pivot, right? We have this despair that we start with. How could this happen? And from that despair we move to you will rule forever. A statement of confidence, of hope, of trust in God and God's sovereignty. And and who is this God that will rule forever but none other than the God who is just and merciful and in the business of restoring life to brokenness. So there's this pivot to confidence in God. But notice this as well. All of the, the deep emotional grief work that we've been doing for the whole book up to this point, right? All five chapters of it, it doesn't suddenly disappear doesn't suddenly disappear. It's not like we, all of a sudden we never went through any of that stuff. right? It's because immediately after celebrating that God would reign forever, the poet again goes back 
Why did this happen? But then the next stanza, return us, Lord, to yourself. Please let us return. Give us new days like those long ago. But then note this, unless you have completely rejected us or have become too angry with us. And then in the Jewish tradition, so that's, that's the very end of the book. In the Jewish tradition, they have this brilliant tradition when they read this book, they repeat that second to last verse once more at the end. Return us, Lord, to yourself. Please let us return. Give us new days like those long ago. So it ends on that pivot, on that hope, rather than the despair. Because both of these stanzas that we heard have this, have this pivot toward hope, have this uh, hope, this turn for hope in a new, renewed world. Right? The brokenness of being restored, for the justice of God to be manifest in that brokenness around them. Even in the midst of despair, even in the midst of horror, there is still hope. There's still trust. There's still this vision in this new, better world that could be. But notice what the author is doing in both these stanzas. There is this yearning for this hope for this new world, but it doesn't come at the cost of discounting everything that they've been through. They've just lived through horror. They've just lived through trauma. And he's not plastering on this fake smile, trying to pretend that it's all better, that it's all good, that God's got everything under control. No, it's deeply connected to this trauma deeply connected to that trauma that they just experienced, and yet out of that very place comes assurance. It's not all of a sudden all better, just a happy ending where magically everything's fixed. But it's in the very midst of the starvation and death and despair that is happening around the author, the, the, the complete collapse of society. It is right there that this hope and trust arises to remind them that no matter what it looks like, God is with you. And insisting in this hope of a renewed world, we tether ourselves so that we don't just float off into pure nihilism, into just pure grief and lose all anchor with reality. It's, it's, it's even this form of defiance, right? Grief is not going to have the last word. I will not let my reality be dictated by, the term, by this disaster that's happened to me. And it's interesting, of course, that this comes on Holy Week when we have the same motion, right? We start with Palm Sunday. The crowd's Chanting, so exciting, so favorable, right? And then we go down to Good Friday. And so there's the despair, there's the grief, there's the loss, and then there's a pivot, right? There's the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And note here as well, it's not... Oh, we have Easter, so magically, you know, nothing happened during Holy Week. It's not, oh, everybody's all good. 
nothing problematic happened. It's still the Roman state executed Jesus, right? There is still the trauma and the grief from that ordeal. But in the midst of that, God came back, showed resurrection, had hope, and brought that, this turn, this pivot, just like we see in Lamentations. So this week, this holy week, this most important week in the Christian calendar, may you embrace both the despair and the hope as valuable experiences through which you can grow and see God at work in the world. And may you never lose hope in the possibility of this renewed world to come. May it be so.